a battle in the heart of Alabama caught our attention. Coal miners in one community, they've been on strike now for months. Working as long as 12 hours a day, seven days a week, in some of the most dangerous conditions. I really think that the labor movement is the single greatest force for democracy in the history of the United States. The story of Alabama is a story of not just resilience, but of militancy. I If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, The Valley Labor Report, with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is The Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host, uh, Ben Job. What's today. up, y'all? Hey. <laughs> Adam is uh, not here. He's at a wedding, uh, so... Uh, wishing him the best of luck and the most fun uh, on a uh, on what will hopefully be what will hopefully be a good day for him. Uh, we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, UAW member Nick Livick is going to talk to us about working for one of the big three automakers and why the workers deserve more. We are also taking a look at what bosses and workers are up to here in the southern United States. And we're going to be taking your calls, and in particular, we're interested in the calls of UAW members. The phone number is 844-899-TVLR. Phone number is 844-899-8857. If you're a UAW member and you're listening to the show, find us on YouTube. Go watch on YouTube and let us know your area code so we can pull you out of the queue and take your call. Also, I had some losers online who were telling me that auto workers don't deserve more. Uh, so if you are one of those losers, find us on YouTube as well and let us know your area code so I can pick you out of the queue and make you look like an idiot on live FM terrestrial radio. 844-899-TVLR. We're going to have a fun time today. Um, and uh, let's see. We should mention our show coming up. Absolutely. Next That's right. week. That's right, folks. We are having our first live show on Sunday, September the 17th at Shenanigans Comedy Theater. Is this backwards on uh, the YouTubes? Hopefully on. No, no I don't think good, it is. looking good. Looking good. There we go. Labor Talk Live at Shenanigans Comedy Theater. Uh, Alabama's only Union Talk Radio show. We're going to be live Sunday, September 17th at 6 p.m. Doors open at 5 for people with VIP tickets. You can come and uh, come early, chat with us, uh, talk to some of our panelists. We're going to be having uh, local union members coming and telling us stories about bosses. We're going to have some games, uh, union-made beer, um, stand-up from local working comedians. It's going to be a good time. I'm really excited for it. Uh, general admission is 20 bucks. Uh, VIP admission is 35. Um, Shenanigans Comedy Theater off of Lehman Ferry Road. TVLR.fm slash store is where you can buy those tickets. TVLR.fm slash store. Please do uh, come on. And and you're going to want to go ahead and get your tickets early. We have a very limited number, so make sure that you get those. Um, yeah, so if you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, you can find us anywhere you find anything online, uh, all at The Valley Labor Report. Um, you, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, TikTok. 
and in particular on our website, tvlr.fm, where we put out uh, our newsletters last week in Southern Labor and Boss Watch, as well as occasionally original reporting from us or freelancers, uh, opinion pieces, stuff like that. Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners. So if you want to become a sustaining donor to the program uh, or just make a one-time donation, you can go to tvlr.fm donate and use our union payment processing service. That's right. Uh, we are such a union radio show that even when we take your money, we do it the union way. And also, another good thing about that is that their processing fees are less than Patreon's. So Patreon takes like 4%, and uh, Unionly only takes like 2.7 or something. So it's a really good deal for us and for you. TVLR.fm slash donate. Uh, you can also buy our merch, TVLR.fm slash store. If you're a member of a union, uh, think about getting your local to sponsor the show. Um, our donors are the single... Uh, single uh, largest single source of funds, but the majority of our funding does come from our union partners, so um, we could not do that without them. And indeed, let me be the one to add the disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor. We welcome everybody, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Unclaimed Mysteries, Internet Radio, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or through your favorite podcast app. And uh, we are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check check that out. Excuse me. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate that, um, Ben. And so, yeah, uh, don't see any callers lined up yet. So, uh, like I said, 844-899-TVLR, 844-899-8857 is the number. And without any calls, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into last week in Southern Labor. There's been a bunch of stuff happening in the South, uh, so we want to tell you about it. Starting with new election filings, 10 workers at Blue Sprocket Pressing in Harrisonburg, Virginia, filed for a union election with the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, Local 29. Nine maintenance workers at SSM Health, St. Louis University Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri, filed for a union election with the Service Employees International Union, SEIU. 24 baristas at Starbucks in Jonesboro, Georgia, filed for a union election with Starbucks Workers United in Two days after the filing, the union announced that Starbucks had terminated, get this, a 26-year employee, Logan wow. Matthews. This guy was hired by Howard Schultz in the 90s, and they fired him literally days after they filed for a union election, and it came out that he was uh, one of the leaders of the union. Uh, loyalty is yeah, what they call that. Exactly. That's what company lo uh, that's what company the, uh, loyalty. Yeah, that's what the company <laughs> will do for you. Uh, Logan has worked at over fifty locations and opened eight stores for the company. The incident that he is supposedly being uh, being fired for happened in July, and yet he was only fired for it last week in September days after he became a public union leader. Uh, this really underscores the arbitrary power that employers have when their employees do not have a union contract and is all the more reason for every barista in the country to unionize and fast and, in fact, to underscore that even more, that how much power you have with a union, even if you don't have a contract yet, literally just yesterday, as I was doing prep for the show, it came out 
that Logan was reinstated by the company after the enormous backlash from the union and the public. So that's what being in a union will get you and uh, and uh, all the more reason for uh, baristas at Starbucks and everywhere to unionize and unionize fast. 44 workers at Continental Carbon Company in Ponca City, Oklahoma filed for a union election with the United Steelworkers. Back in April, Kim Kelly broke the news for the Valley Labor Report that a decertification petition had been filed at Warrior Met to get rid of the UMWA as the union there, and we are happy to report now that the NLRB has blocked the decertification attempt because they ruled that the attempt was derivative of Warrior Met's illegal practices, both before and during the two-year-long strike. There were two sets of workers that withdrew their petition for union election. 13 workers at PSA in Norfolk, Virginia, withdrew their petition for unionization with the Teamsters Local 822. And 130 workers at Transdev Services in Arlington, Virginia, withdrew their petition for unionization with the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 689. Uh, we had a few election results. 26 workers at Starbucks in Clemson, South Carolina, voted 17 to 4 in favor of unionization with Starbucks Workers United. 17 workers at 10 Roads Express in Richmond, Virginia voted unanimously 17 to 0, a 100% voter turnout in favor of unionization with the American Postal Workers Union. APWU. 39 workers at the Center for the Pan-Asian Community Services in Atlanta, Georgia voted 11 to 7 in favor of unionization with Workers United. In strikes and bargaining updates, the CWA's bargaining committee has come to a tentative agreement with Frontier Communications on a new four-year agreement. After several contract extensions that we kept you up to date on during last week in Southern Labor, the CWA said in their announcement that the contract achieves significant wage increases, preserves existing job security language, and maintains quality health and welfare benefits. In addition, Frontier has, has committed to creating additional jobs and a long-term work-at-home agreement. Members of the union will be voting on the agreement in the coming weeks, and we'll let you know how they vote. Walmart began paying some new hires a dollar an hour less in July. It was first reported on last week by the Wall Street Journal. With no union at Walmart, there is no bargaining over the change. Hundreds of sanitation workers, members of the United Electrical Workers, UE Local 150, for the city of Durham, North Carolina, went out on strike on September the 6th, and as of recording, have not returned to work. Their demands include an immediate $5,000 bonus, pay for all work done outside of their job titles, and bringing all temporary employees on as permanent workers. <clears throat> They are being supported by the Southern Workers Assembly and have multiple events already planned for the next week. No cash, no trash is their slogan. Despite public sector collective bargaining agreements being illegal in North Carolina, this union in particular has racked up some impressive wins, including some that they discussed on our program last year. That's not all that's happening in Durham. The Union of Southern Service Workers held an action at a local Waffle House. And that's not all that the Union of Southern Service Workers was up to last week either. Waffle House workers in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, delivered a demand letter to management over working conditions and wages. The United Campus Workers have been on a roll in the South. Last week, they announced the formation of a new chapter at Virginia Tech in partnership with the Virginia Education Association's Graduate Labor Union on campus.
Graduate workers at the University of Florida announced that they had reached an agreement that includes a $2,200 increase to the minimum stipend, merit raises, and removal of outside employment restrictions. Shangri-La dispensary workers with the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 655 in Columbia, Missouri, are still on strike. They began in May. Three Brothers Coffee workers with UFCW Local 1995 in Nashville, Tennessee, have been on strike since June. And Memphis Soy Protein Production workers with the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers International Union, BCTGM Local 390G, have also been on strike since June. You can watch our uh, interview with local president Cedric Wilson on our YouTube channel. Bargaining continues contentiously with the UAW. Stellantis and GM finally responded with very similar offers to what Ford countered with. After GM's response, UAW president Sean Fain said that GM either doesn't care or isn't listening. When we say we need economic justice at GM by 11.59 p.m. on September 14th, the clock is ticking. Stop wasting our members' time. Tick tock. In politics and legislation, the American Association of University Professors released the results of a survey of professors at Southern colleges. Respondents said they are deeply dissatisfied with higher education due to the impact of political interference and attacks on tenure. Most would not recommend their state for work, and many are looking for employment elsewhere. Retirement Systems of Alabama CEO David Bronner is warning that Republicans in the legislature and Alabama Governor Kay Ivey are are eyeing an extreme school choice bill for the next session. To support workforce development programs that prepare young people and help them access good-paying careers, the U.S. Department of Labor announced last week the award of a $14 million grant to seven organizations in five states, including Florida, Virginia, and Georgia, to deliver workforce services when youth are out of school. In internal union affairs, we spoke last week about a decertification campaign in the National uh, Rural Carriers, the National Rural Letter Carriers Association. We spoke about that last week, and a rural carrier reached out to me uh, regarding that decertification campaign, and they said that they agreed that there needs to be reform in the union, but were very much opposed to a decertification attempt. They recommended getting more information about rural about the rural carriers union from a podcast by some rural carriers, United We Scan. Uh, as well as diving into labor notes, uh, vast resources on reform caucuses. Union Plus is an organization that provides discounts and benefits to union members. Uh, Every year, they give out a bunch of money and prizes, and Sharon Amir, a member of IATSE Local 700, won the grand prize of $40,000 and a trip to Ireland. She has committed her winnings, her cash winnings, to the Entertainment Community Fund, which was set up by her union to help stagehands out of work due due to the ongoing entertainment strikes. Additionally, myself and Adam were winners of a two thousand dollar prize hey, that's a big show of solidarity yes. giving up all that money for their brothers and sisters absolutely yeah i mean that's seriously awesome. she got yeah. forty thousand dollars and she's and like she gave it to yeah. all of her brothers and sisters that's awesome but yeah adam and i also won two thousand dollars and we're going to be uh using that money on the show so we're really excited to uh be recipients of some of those uh some of those funds as well 
In listener submissions, Brandy Booth told us about a wildcat strike that he saw in 1993 that was a result of management trying to speed up a line without negotiating. When the workers told, uh, when the workers told management to go through the bargaining process, he got angry, pulled the chairs from the assembly line, and that's when the workers quote put down their tools, grabbed a coffee, and sat under the tree out back behind the plant. Booth said that the young boss was reprimand reprimanded. Uh, by higher leadership, had to personally put the chairs back on the line and undergo sensitivity training. If we missed anything, folks, let us know about your union news from last week in the South, and we might talk about it on the next update. tblr.fm slash contact is where you can drop your tips. Uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to be right back with UAW member Nick Livick about working at the working for one of the big three automakers and why the workers deserve more. Stay tuned. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and family members are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough even to keep their jobs. We can fix this. It's time for us to find a way to close the health care coverage gap so that people can remain at work. Let's make this a priority. Let's close this gap and cover Alabama. To learn more and how you can help, visit CoverAlabama.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Are you looking for a better future, a career that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on the bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glazers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. And you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. 
IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that phone number is 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us today and join IUPAT. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior'd Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior'd Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior'd Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior'd Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior'd Law. The name with proven results. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Come on, you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor, and you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host Adam Keller is out today. Ben Job is filling in for him in the producer box. We appreciate it. If you've got anything to add, you can give us a call or send us a text. Uh, the phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. I see one caller on the line, but we're going to have to get to our guest first. So hang out, and I will... We'll pull you as uh, soon as we finish talking to UAW member Nick Livick. Uh, I appreciate everybody watching us online. We got about 30, 40 people watching on YouTube right now, but only 13 likes. Those are rookie numbers. We can get them up. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat. Chewy, Lil Jimmy, Working Bulldogs says, Hi there, Unifer member and Canadian auto worker here. I stand with the UAW. It is our time. Thanks for the videos. Uh, later, uh, Working Bulldogs uh, in the chat says, I can't tell you how much I wish we had Sean Fain in the UAW back in Canada. Many of us Unifer members are not happy with our current leadership. Well, took a long time <laughs> a lot of lot of organizing went into getting Sean, uh, Sean Fain into the membership but uh, um, but but I also like Sean Fain he's been putting in a lot of work a lot putting in a lot of work Jacob Adam Keller in the chat good morning y'all thanks Ben for filling in for me absolutely infinite content potato is in the chat Alex Chase from UAW249, thank you, Mel and Joe, in the Facebook chat. We really appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, want to give a uh, update really quick on the Wabtec strike from Virginia, or uh, no, Pennsylvania, before we go into the interview, uh, because we talked to Chris Townsend about it a couple of weeks ago, and so you may be wondering, hey, what happened with that? Well, uh, Webtech's updated four-year contract proposal with UE Locals 506 and 618 includes additional... Oh, they, uh, they came to a tentative agreement, and then the members ratified it. So... 
Wobtech workers in Pennsylvania and Erie, Pennsylvania are back at work with a new contract. And the new contract uh, includes a 3% bump after the first year, uh, additional guaranteed annual pay increases, a lump sum payment of $1,500. Other highlights include uh, promotion opportunities and expanded employee vacation plan, Wobtech contributions to employees' health reimbursement arrangement, a 40-hour cap on employees using personal time, for family and medical uh, leave and the right to strike after the union exhausts the grievance process or if uh, subcontracting results in layoffs. The proposed agreement also includes Waptec's right to employ subcontractors, though, for business reasons. The new contract would also establish, and this is kind of this is kind of sketchy. It's going to uh, be really important on uh, the members to enforce this very closely, very narrowly, but the new contract would establish a continuous improvement committee comprised of management and bargaining unit employees. The committee will carry out manufacturing improvement initiatives at the Erie plant to increase productivity, streamline operations, reduce waste, and upgrade safety. Folks, those committees are usually bad news. You gotta watch out for them. Wabtech has subcontracted manufacturing jobs to continue production at its Erie site during the strike, and the company ended that uh, those uh, that contract once the contract was ratified. The UE said about its ratification that the contract represents a substantial improvement over what Wabtech had on the table in June. Local 506 President Scott Slauson said, We are proud of the resolve of membership over 70 days on the picket line. As a result of the action taken by our members, we made both economic and non-economic gains. So there's your update on that. And with that, uh, and uh, just another reminder one, uh, about our live show tickets, tvlr.fm slash store, uh, Sunday, September 17th at 6 p.m. General admission is $20, 35 for VIP. Um, Going to be a good time. Shenanigans Comedy Theater, Lehman Ferry Road. Union Beer. Huntsville. Union Beer, yeah. All right, so let's talk to UAW member Nick Livick. Uh, really uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us this morning, brother. No, thanks for having me. So um, let's start with, you know, just a little bit of biographical information. You work for one of the big three automakers. Uh, wh which one? Where do you work? What kind of job do you do? Um, go. <laughs> so I work uh, for General Motors in Fairfax, Kansas. Um, and right now I'm in the, the trim side and I do. I'm in the pool. So, like, I can go pretty much. I mean, realistically, I stay inside my group. But I can go anywhere in the plant um the cool thing like i i like it some people don't like being in the pool some people want to be on the same job every day but i like kind of bouncing around doing something different every single day it kind of breaks up the the boredom of the mm -hmm. day to day and how long have you been doing that uh today is actually my 10th year as a seniority employee so um but wow. if you count my temp time it's actually closer to 11 or uh 11 and a half. I was one of the lucky ones. Um, and I got hired after only about a year and a half of being a temp. Um, some, some of them, my, my friend was a temp for five years, six years wow. at my plant. Yeah. And then he still has an eight year growing scale. Mm. 
Well, and that's one of the things we're going to be talking about, I think, here in a second. Uh, and I just checked the stream. The way that we've got it set up, I don't have like a feedback video. And so I see that you copied me this morning. I don't know what the deal is yeah. with that, but that is a very nice nope, shirt. Nope. I like it. <laughs> I noticed that when I came on and I was like, oh, man, should I go change? But I was like, oh. <laughs> no, it's a good shirt. I like it. Uh, it's a good organization. Absolutely. Labor Notes is, is uh, big fans of Labor Notes here. They are a sponsor of our Thursday morning show, Shop Talk. So uh, big fans of Labor Notes over here. Um, so let's talk about some of those conditions uh, at uh, GM. You know, you've been there now for 10 years. I did not realize, you know, you look you look young. I wouldn't have guessed that you had been there for uh, 10 years. I started early. I started early. So what uh, is it? What is it like? What are some of the conditions that that you know y'all work under at at, G, uh, at GM in Kansas? So I mean, it's it's busy work. We're one of the leanest operating plants in North America. Um, so so our our tack time might only be about fifty eight seconds or so, but the 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 job load inside that tack time is is close to a hundred percent or above a hundred percent. Um, so, I mean, one thing goes wrong and, and you're in the hole. Um, if, if a wire comes tangled up and, you know, you got to spend even a fraction of a second troubleshooting it and getting it fixed. I mean, you're in the hole and that's putting the next operator in the hole and the next operator in the hole. And the moment you shut the line down, you have management, like not even three, five seconds calling out over the radio. What's going on at this mm. job location? Um, so it's it's a high it's a high stress environment, um, and it's also a very fast paced environment. Um, you have a footprint that's about ten to fifteen feet long, and you're gonna walk ten to twenty miles inside that footprint every single night, walking back and forth from your parts to your tools to to whatever you got to do, and just indexing along while you're doing all the work um, with that vehicle. Our our plant is one of the luckier ones because we're we're climate controlled, so it could be uh, like 110 outside, and it might be 80, 90 degrees in the plant. Um, you go a short hop and skip over the border to 249 at Clay Como, um, and they build the the Ford F-150, and and they're not mm. climate controlled. And and if it's hot outside, it's 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 boiling in the plant. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw in the chat. We do have somebody from 249 uh, in the chat, Chase. I don't know if you know who they who they are, but they said uh, they concurred in the chat. They said, "Yeah, same here at Ford." And so, um, you know, why? What are kind of the animating issues as you see them, or or, or is the workforce animated? How how are your coworkers feeling about this round of negotiations? Man, everything everything is different. Like it's it is insane the difference one member, one vote, and and how it's changed our leadership. Um, we are getting so much more information out from mm. international than we've ever gotten before. And and people are really fired up. Um, this is a lot of Sean's Sean, this is this entire members United team that got elected. Um, the big three actually created this team because this is what the shop floor has been saying. Mm. And when we got to voice our opinion as a collective and we chose change, um, this is, it, it's what we've been saying for years. I mean, we've been forgotten. Um, if you look back at the past few contracts, you know, uh, 2011, we didn't get a raise. 
2015, I think it was like a, a meager raise. And then 2019, it was like two, 3% raises. So, so we're not even mm -hmm. keeping up with inflation at this point. Our wages are falling behind. Our work is getting busier. Um, these, these proposals come out and I, I'm sure it's the same way at 249, but when my shop floor saw the GM proposal, I mean, we, we were, we had our lunch break like 30 minutes afterwards and it, it, people were upset. Mm. Um, it, they, we came in during COVID, we risked our lives for these companies and, and some of our brothers and sisters died, um, right. from getting infected and, and. I mean, this is this is all you're offering us, and then you want to mm. turn around and say we're we're a family. You want to mm. turn around and say we're a team, but you're not rewarded. Like if this is a team, if we're a family, this is abusive, and I want out. You know, right? Um, but but we're just trying to fight for for our fair, equitable share. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's that's something that's important to to underscore that you know the the fairness of, of this thing because some people are still in the 2008 kind of, that that's where they've got their mind about the American auto industry that it's this you know it's super fragile anything at all could make it collapse and oh these poor companies you know all this kind of stuff but that's that, that's not where they are anymore right no and i i I, my, my story starts out in Janesville, Wisconsin. Um, that's where my parents came from. That's where my grandfather worked. Um, so, so I'm very, very aware of what it's like to go through a plant closure and mm -hmm. what it was like to go through that entire scenario. Um, and, and uh, the union members get a bad rap over that. It, the, the great recession, like the auto workers aren't to blame for that. Like that was a, that was a wall street thing. I mean, the entire stock market crashed and you're telling us like, UAW members making decent wages and decent benefits caused that? No, no. What caused that was bad management. They decided to continue to produce gas-guzzling SUVs and trucks while their competitors, if they want to talk about being competitive, while their competitors were making fuel-efficient smaller cars because they saw the gas prices rising. Um, and, and the big three didn't change fast enough. Um, and, and then they came to us and they said, hey, you know, we we it was it was part of a it was part of the government mandate that we give up some of these benefits, and it was it was um, like we we were promised that these this is just temporary. It's just temporary. Right. You're going to get these benefits back as soon as we're back up on our feet. Well, here we are, um, nearly a decade later, and then record profits over the decade later. Record profits, record profits. I mean, they've never been more profitable. You're talking about companies that have made over. A quarter of a trillion dollars and they're they're still <laughs> acting like they're broke um while their right. ceos are getting massive increases you look at the gm reinstated the div dividend on that alone if they paid out an increase to all of the hourly workers it would be over a six dollar and 30 cent raise i mean it's insane it's insane it really is and and you know ford it they talked about Sean Fain talked uh, in his address last week about how Ford is increasing their dividend payouts from 22 to 23 uh, by 150 percent, not by 50 percent, by 150 percent in huh. one year. And they're trying to come back at y'all for I mean, that's a 150 percent raise for these people who are making money because they have money. 
That's it. They're not doing any work for it. They're just sitting there and and they're not even they're not that's the other super frustrating thing is most of these freaks are not even like pressing the button to invest in for. They have people doing that for them. Like in no way are they doing any sort of labor for <laughs> for this raise. 150% raise that they're just being given without even asking for it. And they're just people, sitting at home in their underwear, you know, right. and, and just relaxing. And it's like, with they, they're, and they're, people are they're coming not... back at y'all for you're wanting a 40% raise over four years. And they're saying, oh, y'all are, y'all are being, y'all are crazy. I mean, what's, what's crazy is we've been forgotten. I mean, you look at this industry, I'm, I'm third generation UAW. So, so I got, I got nothing but, and, and it's, this is a, this is a lot um, of a lot of ways the UAW members feel. We take immense pride in our companies. We take immense pride in our mm. work. You ask anybody on that floor, like I, I might give, uh, I might talk a little smack about, you know, the Ford F-150, but at the end of the day, you know, right. 249 was standing with us on our picket lines and we're right. going to be standing there with them. Um, we, we have a lot of pride in our work. We have a lot of pride in our companies. We want these companies to be successful. We want um, American auto manufacturing to be in existence for the next generation. And that's really what this battle is about. This battle mm -hmm. is about getting the protections inside our contract to stop them from closing plants and mm. shipping them overseas where they can further exploit um, Mexican auto workers who are only paid $4 a day. And this is another argument that comes up often in the media, right? They talk about the, the prices of cars. Well, if you increase your wages, the price of the vehicle is going to go up. Okay, well, what's the price of a Silverado built in Mexico where Mexican auto workers are paid $4 an hour? It's the yep. same price. It's corporate greed. It has nothing to do with our wages. Their prices have increased over 40%. Um, in the vehicle prices, and and we've gotten meager raises. I mean, we're making. We started out in 2007. We were making our top wage um, was a 28 and some change. I think it was like 28.72. Well, it's only 32 dollars an hour right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, so so that doesn't equal a 40 percent increase in the vehicle prices. You know. Right. It's just yeah, corporate I, grade. The UIWs put out some some stats on that, and if I'm remembering right, they said that over the same period that vehicle prices have increased 40%, worker wages have only increased 6%, and further, labor costs are only 6% of the cost of the vehicle. So when you pay, you know, $50,000, $60,000 for a new Ford, only 6% of that, less than 10%, is going to actually pay people to work. The rest of it is going towards, you know, the, uh, like, like car dealers who are, you know, that's just a totally lecherous industry on society. Um, and uh, the the profits for the shareholders, material costs, shipping, things like that. 6% goes to labor. And so the idea that uh, giving, you know, the people who actually create it a raise is going to increase the cost of the thing substantially or really even noticeably is just laughable if if you you know if you do any kind of research. I mean, and look at the Stellantis agreement, the 2019 Stellantis agreement. This is a a great fact that came out of uh, Rich Boyer, UAW vice president. The Stellantis 2019 Stellantis agreement. The first 21 days of the agreement of the four year agreement. The first 21 days 
paid for the entire agreement at Stellantis. And it's 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 mind blowing. I mean, right. that's how that's how little our contracts matter to them. Um, and and then they're still sitting here saying, well, we, we got to be competitive, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? I mean, competitive with who? Competitive with right. the automaker you're exploiting in Mexico for four dollars an hour. Right. I mean, how can we compete with that in our nation? We can't. Right. And that's the importance of these working family protection programs that the UAW is putting out there, uh, which, um, you know, the UAW is proposing the right to strike over plant closures and also um, the working families protection program, which would say like, okay, look, you know, uh, if you want to move a plant, then you have to keep paying us in our communities to build up our communities, to do community service, to do local public works projects and stuff like this. You can't anymore just leave a community high and dry like you have done under every single administration since NAFTA. You know, I mean, Trump, and he came out last week trying to attack Sean Fain, which is amazing, uh, <laughs> and you know, and and but and his lies about what he did for manufacturing workers in the United States, manufacturing workers lost jobs under the Trump administration. Jobs went to Mexico under the Trump administration, and so you know, so the UAW is saying in this contract they're proposing: look, if you do this, you got to keep paying us. You can't just leave us high and dry. You have to take care of our communities like we took care of you. And and that might sound insane to some people, but and, and this is this is this is what I lived through in Janesville. And I'm not I know that we've had Lordstown, I know we've had Belvedere and, and all these stories, all these sixty-five plant closures in twenty years. I mean, that's mm. that's huge. And when when these jobs leave, you gotta remember for every job in the plant, seven jobs are supported outside the plant in the supply chains right. and the parts suppliers. Janesville, Belvedere, and Lordstown, any community where these factories leave, they get decimated and i'm not talking like oh yeah they, they were rebounding we're, we're still two decades later and there's still a hole in the janesville economy they yeah, they're right. doing a lot better um but that's what happens when these good paying jobs leave um it's 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 almost criminal um and and they they turn around and then they extort the local uh electeds and the state electeds and they right. say well if you want us to keep here you know you gotta you gotta sweeten the pot you gotta give us some money you gotta help us be competitive so like they're going around to everybody in the scenario saying we got to be competitive and who's making out like bandits it's it's right. the shareholders and the ceos exactly and those 65 plant closures over the last 20 years the majority of those have been when these companies have been seeing huge profits. The majority of those 65 closures in the last 20 years did not come in 2008. They did not come in the immediate aftermath of 2008. They came when these companies were profitable and doing well, and they wanted to steal more value from the people that actually create the uh, create their products, whether in Mexico or in the United States. They just wanted to take more uh, from the people who actually produce the thing. And so we've been seeing, you know, with Sean Fain doing these weekly updates, his most recent one came out last night at like 6 p.m. Um, I watched it on the way home from a uh, minor league baseball game who uh, uh, the minor league baseball players, by the way, uh, recently unionized and they make twice as much as they did before they unionized. So that's a, you know, that was another good thing. I w- I'm really happy to support the minor league baseball, uh, minor league baseball now. But um, 
I listened to it on the way home, and he went through you know all three of the big threes uh, counter proposals. They've all come back with uh, new offers now, and he went through them, and they were all severely, severely, um, you know, insufficient. They fall, they fell very short of what the UAW was asking for, and um, they uh, and 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 there's a lot of energy in the chat in the comments section on both YouTube and Facebook um, from UAW members, anger from UAW members. And the Facebook uh, live stream in particular was kind of astounding because it had 10,000 comments within a few hours of the live stream being over. And so is does that energy for Sean Fain, is it replicated in real life? And and I ask that because, you know, and, and people may not know that that aren't following, uh, that, you know, if you don't listen to the show, maybe you don't know. Sean Fain did not win by very much. He was like a few, uh, a few hundred votes is what he won by. The turnout in the election was not very large. So, you know, it's not like Sean Fain came in with just this huge kind of sweeping mandate. He really kind of squeaked in. And so it's almost a little bit surprising that you're seeing so much energy, at least online. Is that translating in real life? Yeah, it is translating in real life because we're this is this is what we've been saying for years. And I'd push back on one just one thing that you said. I do think this is a mandate. We went up, um, Sean Fain went up against a caucus that had sole and total control of our organization for over 70 years. Um, and and when you go up against that kind of ingrained power structure and you beat mm-hmm. them on every single seat that you can test, That's true. That, that is that is a mandate. And, and the right. membership wants a different direction. And mm-hmm. now that you're getting a different direction, um, I think you're going to we're going to win a lot of people. I think Sean's going to win a lot of people over because he's doing what the membership has always wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, there might have been some hesitation at the beginning, um, but but everyone sees this. I mean, this is he says that this is our generation's defining moment, but it's it's our it's our fight. It's mm-hmm. our generational fight. If we can't win this, if we can't win it. What's going to happen when these vehicles go electric and there's 30% less manpower? I mean, our industry is changing more in the next decade than it has in the last hundred and so years. Um, and and we got to make sure that these are good paying jobs. We can't allow these jobs to become like – we got to stop the race to the bottom. We cannot allow these jobs to become low-paying, bad jobs with no benefits – there's a reason why these jobs are good paying jobs i mean these they're they're tough your body's gonna gonna be in pain before the age of 26 i had trigger finger frozen shoulder carpal tunnel in both of my wrists every day i wake up almost my hands my hands are numb i mean these are these are tough jobs and now these battery plants are coming in and the conditions are terrible and everybody knows this everybody's like <laughs> it's almost like we agitate ourselves on a daily basis just by going into work because the conditions have gotten so terrible mm-hmm. right and i didn't mean to undersell the achievement it's a huge achievement um and and that is important to note about that every seat that the reform caucus in the uaw contested they won they swept and so that's very that's very impressive and uh the people that uh you know some of the others that did not um that, that you know the uaw did not contest 
those directors at, at the international, you know, I, Chuck Browning in particular, I think he's kind of, you know, fallen in line with the new leadership. And, and it seems like he's, you know, really supportive of Fane, even though he was a supporter of the Curry slate before. And so that that's really uh, that is heartening to me to see that at least publicly, the old guard are not trying to undermine Sean Fane. Uh, uh, because I had, I've heard that that kind of happened in 1997 with Ron Carey and the Teamsters. Um, and so, uh, and, and Sean O'Brien, that's one of the things that he's been able to accomplish is, you know, building a coalition, uh, to such a degree that, you know, the old guard, the establishment types are not trying to undermine him. And it doesn't seem like uh, that's happening in the UAW either that the, you know, it, it seems like everybody's kind of pushing in the same direction. Is that, is, is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, and and there there are a few on the fringes, you know, um, and and I I get into these kind of arguments on Facebook with people sometimes, and and at the at the end of the day, you know, it it doesn't matter what caucus you mm. you belong to. I have I have deep ideological differences with some admin caucus supporters, but there are also some people that support the admin caucus that I respect and I I can talk to and I can work with. Um, we had an election. That election is over. We we aired our grievances. We set up our different visions. The membership has decided. So for the next four years, we gotta we gotta work together. We gotta come together, and we gotta do what's right for this membership. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing. And I think everybody understands that. And and come come four years, like let's have another election. Let's 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 see what the membership wants to do. But at the end of the day, it's about what the membership wants, not what about uh, it's not about what UAWD wants. It's not about what the admin caucus wants. It's not about what Brian Keller's caucus wants. It's it's about what the membership wants. And I can stand behind that. That's why I, I fought so hard for one member, one vote, because above right. all, it's it's the membership that matters. The rank and file are the highest authority um, of our union and our our union shouldn't who controls our union shouldn't be decided by a thousand delegates in Detroit every four years. It should be decided by the membership who is going to work every day clocking in and, and they should get a direct say in their election. So, right. And and you were a big supporter of Fane during the election, um, and and you're a member of UAWD. How, when did you get involved with the with the Reform Caucus in UAW, and and how do you feel now about kind of your investment in in the you know the one member one vote movement and generally, and then and then Sean Fane's campaign specifically. So I got I started getting more involved during the one member one vote referendum. I saw it as an all hands on deck kind of moment. Um, especially when you know the history of the UAW and you know how many reform movements have come before and how many people have kind of been um, pushed out, intimidated, bullied, um, and in some cases even fired and conspired against. Um, mm. There, There is a reason why over 60% of the membership wanted to go to one member, one vote. Um, and and so I got involved, um, and then in the, the election, I was on the communications committee, um, and we were just trying to get the message out. Um, I did a lot, a lot of flyering. I think I, at our location, we we passed out over seven thousand flyers. Um, and and you know, in the beginning, when we because UAWD is a, a, a rank and file caucus, so no decisions are made that aren't democratic decisions. So like even the slate was was elected democratically. We had an entire interview process, right? And so this guy, you you start hearing about the Sean Fain guy, and then you're like, 
oh, he's on international staff. Like, and then you, you're, you're talking to him and you're, you're listening to him, his story and, and about the things like that he's had to fight against and how he stood up against the entire, um, bargaining committee i mean he was only he was one of two people that stood up and said hey don't ratify this agreement i want to say it was in 2011 or 2015 um he actually went against the status quo and publicly campaigned for a no vote mm. um and and then you see like you, you start hearing it and you're like okay okay this guy's like just he's he's one of us he's he's somebody that is really passionate about the uaw he really loves this organization and he's given his heart and soul to this organization and he wants change. Um, but, but I mean, even, even as I was campaigning for him, like this is beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, right. it's inspiring. I mean, and he's not just, he's not just articulating this argument, like, um, you know, we got to do this for us because it's, it's never been for us. Um, we we got to get out of the business unionism mindset where we only fight for our members. This is, this is social justice organizing model. Mm. Um, he doesn't want this just for us. He wants this for, for everybody, for the, the non-union auto workers that we got to organize in the South, um, for, right. for, I mean, everybody, you know, when we won COLA, we became the first union um, to win COLA for all of its members, not just at manufacturing sectors. Mm -hmm. And that made a big impact on the, the economy. Um, so, I mean, I'm, this is, this is beyond my wildest dreams. I'm over the moon with the, what I'm seeing out of the Sean Fain um, administration, but the real challenge is coming up and the real challenge is going to be, did we prepare enough? Right. Um, is the membership ready? Are we going to stand up and are we finally going to throw, throw off our chains and, and fight back? And I, I think this membership's ready and under his leadership, I think we've prepared enough. That, uh, uh, that, that you said about this, not just being for UAW members, big three auto workers, this is for everybody, auto workers in the South people in other parts of the economy. That's a good segue into, you know, a couple of these questions where one of the stations that we're on is a conservative radio station. Um, I do a guest spot once a week with the conservative morning host. And one of the things that he asked me last week was, was basically, you know, I'm being a bit reductive with the question, but you know, what makes these people so special? You know, I was talking about how the, uh, the big three are offering less than inflation raises, how that, you know, uh, that basically with these proposals, they would be taking a pay cut by the end of the four years. And he was like, well, you know, that's where a lot of people are. That's where most people are. What may, you know, why should they get, why should they get raises when the rest of us don't? Right. And what makes you better than everybody else is basically the question. So Nick, you know, what makes you better? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's no, I mean, workers, workers without, without workers, nothing happens in any country um but especially in america you know we 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 have this mindset where like this rise and grind like mm. we got a rise and grind you gotta if you if you don't work 84 hour days you got soft hands like what like we nothing makes us more special but what we want is a fair economy a fair economy where where one percent of the people don't control more wealth than the bottom ninety nine percent. I mean, it's insane. You look at what's going on right now with all the inflation, and and studies have already been done on it. It's corporate greed. So so we're going to be fine with paying all these people ex excess of of millions of dollars. We're fine when 
the when the wealthy need some pandemic assistance and are getting million dollar hundreds of millions of dollars in loans that are being forgiven but we don't want to forgive the student loans that that put people in crushing debt mm. um nothing nothing makes UAW members special what what we're trying to do is is fight for a fair agreement that reflects the hard work and sacrifice that we've put in to these companies without them or without us we wouldn't they wouldn't exist their their profits wouldn't wouldn't exist without our hard quality work um i mean everything that management puts in front of us especially at my location um we have this interior quality thing called uh it's a biq system so there's like four or five different levels right now we've biq4 so we're our quality rating it's above 98 percent um so it's it's we everything that they put in front of us every goal we smash and it's it's like that across the board board management says okay we got to do this we do that but right. at what point do we do we start seeing the rewards for our hard work i mean they want to keep on only giving us raises that don't even keep up with inflation like how long can an economy like that realistically run i mean it's the consumer that drives the economy it's not the rich it's some mm -hmm. somebody like jeff bezos making hoarding billions of dollars like smog in lord of the rings i mean who's who's gonna spend more you know the the mom who's got to put her kids through through daycare and feed her kids and and buy christmas presents and birthday presents who's gonna spend more of their proportionally who's going to spend more of their uh, money in the economy it's it's the working class and that's why the working class needs a raise so we can actually have this uh, an economy that's that's fair and we don't have to keep on going down this spiral uh where the the majority are left with nothing i mean it's like we're going into another gilded age i don't i don't understand the conservative right. mindset on this point right are you willing to strike if necessary Man, I have been preparing for this. I mean, I'm I'm third generation UAW, so I mean it's 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 ingrained, especially after living through Janesville. Um, you know, if I if I I don't I don't carry credit card debt um, because I've I've seen. I mean, I watched I I watched disaster happen in Janesville. Mm -hmm. um, I saw people lose their homes, their cars, their everything. I mean, some people even <laughs> took their own lives. I mean, it's 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 insane um i'm i'm ready to strike i'm ready to do whatever whatever is possible um because it's not just for me i look in the eyes of my children um and if i can't fight for this if i can't win this for them i mean if they i don't want them following in my footprints i don't want them going into the factories if this is going to be the deal that they're getting um I, I don't want them in this industry and it's about saving this for the next generation and making sure these jobs are are still a gold standard because they these jobs deserve to be a gold standard mm -hmm. um especially when you're making them billions of dollars 21 billion dollars in the first six months of the year that's insane that's insane and they're telling us yeah. that we're being uh outrageous yeah as long as it takes and i think everybody is is ready i don't i don't think my mindset is is unique everybody i've talked to on my floor even down to the temp um you know they're ready to their strike because they've been temps for i mean they're getting abused um we're working some some stellanis is working 90 90 days 
critical status, seven days a week, 12 hour days. And, and we're, we're ready. We're sick of this. We, we want to be able to experience our children. We want to be able to experience birthday parties, football games, baseball games, dance recitals. We deserve this. It's not something that's only for the ultra wealthy. It's something that's for the wor working class and I, we're all ready. So I, I would, I would tell these companies, you know, we're ready and we're serious about this and the rank and file is serious about this it isn't just sean fain it's every single one of us and we are ready to reach a fair and equitable agreement at whatever it takes and uh prediction do you think y'all are going to be going on strike thursday at midnight uh, now with all that said uh do i want to go on strike no i don't I, I want i want a fair and equitable agreement to be reached do i think we're going to go on strike as far apart as everything as, as we are and as these corporations are playing games we got the stellanis guy going down to acapulco mexico for two yeah. weeks in the middle of negotiations to his second multi-million dollar mansion in mexico like what are you guys thinking we have ceos that show up late or don't show up at all i mean they clearly don't respect us and they want to talk about absenteeism um yeah i mean this is I hope we get a fair agreement. I think this is the way these the companies bargainers are playing ga these games. I don't see how that's possible. Um, I know a lot of work gets done in the eleventh hour, um, mm -hmm. so maybe there will be some like landmark thing here. But from what I'm seeing, these companies they say they respect us. They say we're family in the public, and then they go behind closed doors with our national bargainers. And they say, you guys are not worthy. We do not respect your work. We do not respect your time. We do not respect that you want more time with your family. We do not respect that you want higher wages. Um, so I'm I'm seeing this. Everything now is pointing all signs to that there's going to be a strike on September 14th. And and that's that's sad. And yep. and the company should feel bad about that. Um, that they're going to force people to choose between paying their bills, paying their mortgages, paying their car payments, rather than giving them the fair deal when we lived through COVID and people literally died to make them money. And they should be ashamed of themselves for that. UAW member Nick Livick, uh, appreciate you taking the time this morning. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. All right, folks, with that, we're going to go ahead and head into our final break. We'll be right back with Boss Watch. Also taking your calls, 844-899-8857, 844-899-TVLR is the phone number. You can call or text, and we'll bring you on the air, uh, particularly if you're a UAW member. But a precaution, we're on FM radio, so I know you... Union auto workers. Some of you have some of you have mouths. Colorful language. Colorful language. So don't get us kicked <laughs> off the radio. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned. In Alabama, more than two hundred thousand of our friends and neighbors are living without health care coverage. Often, folks can't stay healthy enough to keep their jobs. We need to fix this. Let's close the health care coverage gap. To learn more, visit coveralabama.org. 
Support for this program also comes from the Iron Workers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Iron Workers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The Laborers International Union of North America, Local 366, is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 Again, that phone number is 256-415-7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good-paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better. Work union. Local 366. Feel the power. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senyard. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senyard Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senyard Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senyard Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senyard Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senyard Law. The name with proven results. Alabama 
Indiana's only union talk radio show. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is Adam Keller, but he is out today. Filling in for him is Ben Job. We appreciate his service. Another reminder, we have a live show on September 17th, Sunday, September the 17th at 6 p.m. Shenanigans Comedy Theater. Buy your tickets on tblr.fm slash store. We are going to be having stand-up sets by local working comedians, stories about bosses from local union members that are funny enough to be jokes but are very real. We're going to have games and union beers. Sunday, September 17th at 6 p.m. Shenanigans Comedy Theater off of Lehman Ferry Road. Is Sci-Fi going to be there? I don't know. Yes, he's Hell. he's going to be uh, opening the show for us. Yep, going to be opening the show for us, so it's going to be good. Going to be good. Uh, looking forward to it. Appreciate everybody tuning in. The phone number is 844-899-8857. That is 844-899-TVLR. Um, so here's what. Uh, let's talk about what bosses were up to. Earlier in the show, we talked about what workers were up to. Uh, let's talk about what bosses were up to in the South uh, last week. And it is never good. We do this segment because uh, bosses, we think, get off way too easy. They have, uh, you know, every night you're going to see a just a, a, a parade of mugshots on the local news about people doing robbery, petty theft, trespassing, stuff like that. And you never hear about the bosses who steal billions of dollars from working people who uh, sexually harass us, who discriminate against us, who are responsible for our deaths in the workplace. Never hear about that, but here you do. So let's go ahead and start off in Louisiana, where the U.S. Department of Labor has obtained a consent judgment requiring the operator of a New Orleans area home health care agency to pay 80 workers a total of $630,000 in back wages and damages after the employer misclassified them as independent contractors. The judgment against Parrish's Supportive Living Incorporated and owner Belinda Vining Trepanier follows an investigation by the department's Wage and Hour Division that found the employer's misclassification denied overtime pay and other benefits to employees assigned to the agency's location in Medier and Hammond in violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. The division's review of the employer's pay practices from December 2019 to December 2022 found that Parrish's supportive living willfully failed to pay overtime wages for hours after 40 in a work week as required by law. In addition to payment of back wages and damages, the employers must retain an independent third-party auditor to review the company's payroll and pay practices for a three-year period and prepare status reports on the employer's ongoing FLSA compliance. Staying in Louisiana, Hooters of Louisiana and associated companies have agreed to pay former black employees $650,000 to settle a race and retaliation lawsuit brought by the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the agency announced last week. According to the EEOC's lawsuit, Hooters subjected African-American employees at a metairie uh, located Hooters restaurant to a workplace environment of offensive and demeaning remarks based on their race since at least 
2017. Hooters also did not rehire any of the restaurant's African-American employees after laying off staff in 2020 at the outset of the pandemic. Instead, according to the lawsuit, Hooters initially restaffed the restaurant solely with non-black employees, and several of the laid-off African-American employees complained about the offensive racial remarks and hiring practices, but none of the African-American employees were rehired despite their qualifications. Under the three-year consent decree, Hooters will pay the former employees $650,000 in back pay and damages. They, uh, Hooters will also conduct training, revise policies, provide regular reports to the EEOC, and post a notice affirming its obligations under Title VII. In North Carolina, but staying with Hooters, Hooters of America, a Georgia corporation, violated federal law when it failed to recall employees after a COVID-motivated layoff because they were black and or had dark skin tones. The U.S. Equal, Opportun Equal Employment Opportunity Commission alleged in a lawsuit it filed last week. Last week. I had to reread this a few times. Because it's exactly the same thing. This is just happening in a different state. I had to make sure. I was like, is this... Is this not the same story? But it's not Deja the same. <laughs> it's not the same story. It happened multiple times at multiple Hooters. I don't know what is going on over at Hooters, uh, but it is not good. In March of 2020, the Greensboro Hooters restaurant laid off approximately 43 employees in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The EEOC's lawsuit alleges that a class of employees who were black and or had dark skin tones and worked as Hooters girls at the Greensboro restaurant were among those laid off. When the restaurant began recalling employees to return to work in May of 2020, the restaurant recalled mostly employees who were white or had light skin tones, the EEOC said. Of the the 13 Hooters girls recalled to the Greensboro location in May of 2020, 12 of the 13 were white and or had light skin tones, reflecting a marked shift in the racial composition of the restaurant's Hooters girls workforce. Prior to the layoffs, 51% of the Hooters girls were black and or wow. had dark skin tones. After the May 2020 recall, only eight were black and or had dark skin tones. According to the complaint, Hooters girls with dark skin tones experienced racial hostility and observed uh, preferential treatment of white employees while employed at the restaurant. Such conduct obviously violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which protects individuals from workplace discrimination and harassment. The EEOC filed suit in U.S. District Court after first attempting to reach a pre-litigation settlement through its voluntary conciliation process. The EEOC is seeking monetary relief for the employees, including back pay and compensatory and punitive damages. The EEOC also seeks injunctive relief against the company to end any ongoing going discrimination and to prevent such unlawful conduct in the future. Several dishonorable mentions this week. Employment and Training Centers Incorporated in Houston, Texas violated federal law by refusing to provide a reasonable accommodation for an individual applying for a data entry position. The EEOC charged in a lawsuit the University of Texas Permian Basin has agreed to pay $46,000 in damages and to furnish other relief in order to settle a pay discrimination lawsuit filed by the EEOC. Uh, TNT Crane and Rigging Incorporated violated federal law by subjecting four black employees to race-based discrimination and harassment. 
the EEOC charged in a lawsuit filed in court last week. The EEOC also charged the company with retaliating against a white employee for raising allegations of race-based discrimination at its Fort Worth, Texas branch. And uh, to wrap up Boss Watch this week, despite the news that we bring you every week about bosses breaking the law, coming primarily from government agencies, most of the, the way that we do this research is we check out the Department of Labor, the EEOC, the EPA, OSHA, organizations like that for their press releases and see what they came out with in the last week. And uh, so, you know, you might imagine by virtue of that, that, oh, these organizations are doing a lot and, and it's all getting caught and that's not the case, obviously. A lot of these incidences go unreported. A lot of incidences of wage theft, discrimination, retaliation, unsafe working conditions, it all goes unreported a lot of the time. And that's true and that's why unionization is so important. Obviously, the raises and benefits are a big plus, but safety matters a lot, and you don't get to take advantage of the big, juicy raises if you're dead. So uh, that's why unions focus so much on safety and why union work sites are, in fact, safer. There's been study after study showing that union work sites have less injuries, they have less, less fatal injuries, etc. And a new piece of evidence in this vein of, uh, uh, in this topic came out last week in Health Affairs, where researchers from George Washington University showed that unionized nursing homes were, get this, 78% more likely to be in compliance with OSHA reporting standards. Okay, so that's huge. And if you're a longtime listener of the show, you'll also remember that back at the beginning of the pandemic, studies came out showing that union nursing homes had 40% fewer COVID fatalities uh, than non-union nursing homes. So just another piece of evidence in the vein of uh, union workplaces are safer. And that's very, very important. Very important to have a safe workplace because... Uh, like I said, can't take advantage of the of the pay increases um, if you are dead. So very important. Um, appreciate everybody hanging out hanging out with us in the chat. There was some conversation about uh, the Mexican auto workers and you know the USMCA and what exactly that does and what the you know requirements are on Mexican automakers. And, uh, you know, the USMCA did, it, it did improve on NAFTA. It obviously did not go far enough, but there was a big improvement there on, you know, what they're supposed to do. And actually, uh, the enforcement provisions in the USMCA have allowed um, independent trade unions to begin fighting back in Mexico. Um, and, and they're having to fight, fight back against, you know, much worse company unions than we were in the United States. Um, they're really, really, really bad. And so independent unions have been winning elections at GM facilities in Mexico and winning raises, uh, um, you know, winning pretty big raises. Uh, labor Notes has been doing some really good reporting on that. Uh, just another good reason to support Labor Notes if you can and check out the reporting that they're doing on the Mexican auto working scene. Um, Somebody mentioned that the, you know, the AFL-CIO's Solidarity Center is doing some work down there. And we actually have, and I'm very excited about this, we have an interview, a pre-tape interview scheduled on Tuesday 
with the uh, with some people from the Solidarity Center, um, uh, with some um, like international union members. Uh, let's see if I can find where all they were from because it's pretty cool. There's like people from Zambia, and yeah. So here we go. Um, talking to somebody from the Zambia Congress of Trade Unions, uh, talking to somebody from the General Secretary of the Confederation of Indonesian Workers and uh, the General Secretary of the Federation of Mining and Energy for Indonesia. So that's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on over in those countries, and we'll be having that in, those interviews out for you shortly. Just another reminder, the phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That's 844-899-8857 if you want to call in. <coughs> and uh, Working Bulldog says, Can you talk more about how Sean Fain stood up to the old negotiating team? I lost my signal briefly when you were discussing that. Yeah, uh, you can You can always you know, go back and check it out, uh, you, you know, just rerun the stream after it was over. But he didn't talk just a whole lot about it. He basically said, you know, in 2011, Sean Fain was on the negotiating committee and, you know, he thought that the concessions were too much. And so he went around campaigning for vote, you know, for members to vote against it uh, because he thought it was too much. So that was, you know, really kind of the gist of it. He didn't say just a whole lot else about that. Infinite Content says, time for the big three to enter into finding out, uh, the finding out portion of the program. Indeed. Um, do Teamsters or United Rail Workers deliver supplies to you to uh, your plants? Uh, Infinite Content asked Darwin Claus. He didn't know. Um, Chewy says, this is a great show. Host and guest. Excellent presentation. Appreciate it. Uh, and let's see, we have several UAW members in the chat, uh, UAW 387, UAW 602, lots of good stuff. And uh, in the chat, Ben is talking about, we've got some good stuff coming up after 11. Uh, we're going to be talking to Alex Press from Jacobin Magazine about some of her reporting on the UAW negotiations. She recently did a podcast with Brandon Mancia, who is the Region 9A director for the UAW, also a member of DSA and UAWD. Um, so excited to talk to her about that, as well as talking about the SAG-AFTRA strikes, uh, Unite Here, and the APSA, the American Political Science Association, crossing the picket lines <laughs> in Los Angeles. Uh, they refused to reschedule their conference or uh, do it online. And so now the Political Science Association is um, <laughs> is crossing picket lines. Huh. And so, you know, if you think that political science, uh, you know, professors are kind of weird, well, you know, maybe that's a reason. Uh, that's kind of indicative of where their politics are. <laughs> crossing picket lines to talk about political science. Not good, folks. Not good. Um we have about 10 more minutes, and uh, we have one caller on the line. Let's uh, bring them on uh, the air and see what they have to say. Uh, ben, what is their area code? I'm not in the... Um... Let me do 408 area code. Let me pull them up. All right. 408 area code. What is your name, and where are you calling from? Yeah, my name is uh, Phil, and I'm calling from uh, 
UAW Local 2162 in Reno, Nevada. Phil, uh, UAW Local 2162, it's good to hear from you. Uh, what's on your mind? Oh, you know, I just want to bring up, like, the, this contract, uh, this last proposal, because I work for a GM facility here, and I work specifically for the CCA, and I just got to say, like, that is such garbage that they continually treat us like we're second-class citizens in in this system. It's, it's worse than in progression because we make even less than the uh, the assembly plants do. Mm. Like, our top-out after eight years is $25 an hour, whereas the assembly plants at least get up to, like, 32 or whatever. So, right. And they they treat us like we're not even worth anything. And it just doesn't make any sense to me at this point. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so are you under is is your uh plant under the under this master contract or is it like in a different is it in a different category? We're we're under the same master agreement, but we're we're uh, uh separated, I, I guess. It's kinda like mm. a subsystem without actually being one. And how uh, how are you feeling about how these negotiations are going? Well, let me tell you this: I went through the 2019 strike, and like I said, we we're we we're treated like second class citizens in in that agreement. And they didn't even get we didn't know what was happening until after they presented us with the uh, tentative. Mm. So, right, uh, you know, we went in there basically saying we went on strike, so we could get nothing, no raises, no increase in our progression, nothing. Mm. So seeing the difference and actually them calling it out and saying, like, hey, you're treating these guys differently than you should be is a breath of fresh air. So, yeah, this is definitely more of what I would I would expect to see from a union environment, you know, fighting for every member and not just leaving some behind and just saying, oh, well, tough luck. Right. Yeah, I have been uh, I, I've been really impressed with the uh, contract campaign for sure. I, I really enjoy seeing these uh, these live streams. How have other workers in your plant reacted to uh, you know to to these regular updates? Um, you know, I, I'm actually part of the uh, executive board here at our local, so I made it a point to make sure everybody knows that they. If you don't know this, uh, our fans are going to be doing a live today. Hey, he's going to be talking about this. Hey, we. I've been hearing this about contract negotiations here where you can find information. So it's, uh, everyone's getting way more engaged. And, you know, like I said, everyone after hearing this last proposal here, um, mm -hmm. it's, you know, they're fed up too. So we're, we're all ready to go out and stay out as long as it takes to get a fair enough agreement. Absolutely. But I don't know, like, especially, I, I, don't, I don't know how it is in, like, your area, but over here in Reno, it's it's very expensive to lose here now. Mm. And I only make like twenty one dollars an hour. It's like you can't live off this. I'm working two jobs just to make ends meet. So wow. it's it's becoming a mess over here. Yeah, I don't know what it's like exactly in Reno, Nevada, but here in I mean here in North Alabama, prices have been skyrocketing. Absolutely. Um, I am uh, big news. I am under contract to buy a house uh, right now. First time home buyer. Really excited about that. And um, it is about. Um, 50%, no, like 80% more expensive than it was the last time it sold in 2019. So <laughs> I'm paying almost twice as much what it sold for in 2019 to get it. So I don't know if that kind of gives you uh, kind of gives you any sort of indication, but it's, uh, you know, I don't know if it's as bad as Reno, but it's uh, not good. <laughs> definitely, definitely an increase for sure. Mm. I don't know. I don't know about you. My rent went up by like three hundred dollars a month. I, I didn't get a three hundred dollar raise anywhere, so I'm not sure where yeah. they're getting their numbers mm -hmm. from. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what people around here have been seeing. Absolutely. Um, how long have you been working there at that plant? 
Um, you know, I came in right before the uh, 2019 agreement, so it's been about oh. four years. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that that 2019 strike at GM was. Um, I always I can never remember because the CWA went on strike at AT and T around the same time, and I can never remember which one came first. Uh, but those were my first two picket lines that I ever went on. Um, so. Uh, and so that's where I'm going to be. I went to walk the picket line with the GM plant, uh, UAW local 1853 in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And, uh, that's where I'm going to be heading. Um, if y'all go on strike again, uh, if y'all go on strike again this year. Oh, that's good. I mean, uh, if we do go on strike, I mean, I hope it's not very long, but like I said, I'm willing to stay out as long as it takes because, uh, we all deserve our fair share at this point. So, and yep. like I said, the proposals they've been giving and, the fact that once again, I mean, I don't know if you saw like the highlights that he gave out, but like they're excluding us again, yep. this division, and we do parts. Like, I mean, it's it's important for their their uh, bottom line that we you know provide the parts to these dealerships to repair their vehicles. Right. And I just it's like we're one of the biggest money makers, and they treat us like we don't make anything, like we cost them money, and it makes zero sense. Right. So like, I don't know if they're just trying to divide the membership like between like manufacturing and the other plants. Like the other, like parts or components, it's that's what's becoming. Yeah, that I mean, that's exactly right. That's what they're that's what they want to do is divide the membership. Well, hey brother, I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in, and feel free to uh, feel free to call in anytime, and uh, especially next week if y'all are on strike. Let us know how it's going out there. Yeah, appreciate all the work you're doing. Appreciate you, brother. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for calling. Phone number is 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857 if you want to get in where Phil was. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the first half of the show. Uh, like I said, we're on FM radio, uh, but only for half the show. So there's a whole other second half of the program if you're listening to us on the radio right now. And you can find us on YouTube or Facebook, where we're going to continue for another hour and a half roundabouts. Uh, but if you don't want to come with us, I understand, and that is fine. And so we'll go ahead and sign off. Before we do that, I uh, just want to put in a few plugs here. Um, Labor Notes, always hosting a series of online trainings this month. They have Secrets of a Successful Organizer. Uh, very, very good stuff. That's going to be Thursdays from uh, 7 to 9 Central Time on September 14th, 21st, and 28th. Um, also, they have a stewards workshop on the 26th, dealing with difficult supervisors. You can go to labornotes.org slash events to learn more. The second annual Huntsville Human Rights Film Festival is going to take place uh, September 14th to 16th on the campus of UAH, including a community resource fair on Saturday. Uh, so that should be fun. On Monday, October 16th, uh, historian Blair L. M. Kelly and last week's guest is going to be hosting a panel on a people's history of the black working class. So check that out. The AFL-CIO is doing a virtual organizer training on September 27th. The Citizens Climate Lobby in Huntsville is holding their monthly meeting on Tuesday, September the 12th. And uh, don't forget to tune into Shop Talk on Thursday mornings. With that, we are going to head into overtime. Appreciate you listening. See you next week. All power to the workers. And I also have to say, if you haven't gotten your tickets to our event that's right. next weekend, tvlr.fm slash store. We'll see you soon. <laughs>